I would like to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on Jar Jar Wurrung country. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this land and acknowledge leaders and elders past, present and future. Thank you. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Soul Care Bendigo's podcast, Naked. I'm your host, Gail Wilson, and together we will go through a series of storytelling, conversations and strategies about leaning into life's lessons, the good, the bad and the downright painful, as we journey back to ourselves and back to our intuition. Through the lens of witness and reflection, we will work our way through a series of raw, stripped-back, relatable topics and personal experiences. There will be laughter, tears and the occasional swear word because, hey, life is too short to hold back. So come along with me on this journey and let's talk life. You can follow and subscribe to Soul Care Bendigo's Naked to get notifications for upcoming episodes as they land in your space. So lend me your ears and your heart as we go through this journey together. Hello, hello, Solis, and welcome to another episode of Soul Care Bendigo's podcast, Naked. Last week, we took you on a journey to the downright painful. For those who heard along, you heard the story of my sister and our relationship as she battled through severe drug addiction underground criminal crime, parenting, sober, all the difficult things. And I really wanted to do a reflective episode because as I mentioned, no matter how insane it seems at the time, there is always light and gold nuggets to be found in every situation that we go through in life. In that episode, we spoke about how it wasn't until Crystal was in an extremely violent domestic violence situation. She'd nearly been beaten to death on multiple occasions that she actually had her epiphany. And her epiphany was that initially she spent her time doubting, why did this man treat me like this when he hurt me so badly? He too was a drug addict at the time, suffering from severe psychosis. It was an evil match. But again, sometimes we have to be the sacrificial lamb to find the goodness through all of her drug use, all of her crime, and she realised that he can hurt her, even though he loves her. And that that's what she'd been doing to us, her family, her dearest friends, for the full decade of her drug abuse. She knew she loved us, but it wasn't enough. The psychosis was too far, the addiction was too deep, like claws stuck in every vein in her body. And her and I reflected on the reality is, is it all comes down to love. I know you might be rolling your eyes at that and I know you might be thinking that's all we hear, but it is just that simple. It wasn't until I got my spiritual slap in the face, I had to let my guard down, carefully brick wall that I'd put up to protect myself from her and her behavior and her reputation, to disassociate myself with all of her choices also was the way that she could have ammunition to justify keep using. You know, like, well, they're calling me an addict. I am an addict. I might as well just do that. It's fun. I might as well just stay there until the day it's not fun. And the drugs have taken everything you ever loved, every intelligence you ever know, any life school you thought you'd had acquired, all of it is gone and replaced is this darkness. This breeding, breeding, breeding darkness 
deep, deep within their bodies. But underneath it, there is still a small person that is desperate to be loved, that is desperate to be seen beyond their addiction. And it's why I've stopped using the words like junkie. I find as I became more educated, when I started understanding the brain and trauma responses, the desire, the deepest desire to escape, I started seeing the person beyond the drug addiction, beyond the use, beyond the stealing, beyond the crime, beyond even the violence that we have at the hands of her sometimes. It doesn't mean that I tolerated it. It doesn't mean that I found it easier to love her. It just is simply that I saw her. It's like all of that other stuff was made in grey lead, but underneath it she was still the sharpie. And slowly but surely we were able to rub out each of that grey lead sketching around her. If you imagine that she was one person in the sharpie and then we'd drawn multiple versions of her, the addict, the liar, the thief, but equally the self-loathing, shame, the disgrace, the embarrassment. For when we look at the core actions that someone does when they're out of their mind, we must also look at the emotions that they're trying to cover up. The drug is the mask. Now, this is really difficult when this is generations of drug use, generations of trauma, generations of neglect. And when I say neglect, I mean emotional neglect. Crystal mentioned that everyone in the rehab, multiple times she went, all had a significant, violent, sexual or traumatic episode that split them, that split them in two. It made them one person and then a ghost person. Spirit self is divided from the rest of the body. And the body doesn't know how to go on. It's caught in rapture. It's caught in flames. And unfortunately, drugs are a very fast way to put the fire out. But it's only temporary. This is the problem. Also, the problem is that it melts your brain slowly each time you use it, which makes it harder for it to have resilience, the ability to grow, the ability to create abundance for themselves. Now at Soul Care Bendigo, I'm seeing many people who are grandparents stepping in the role as carer for drug-addicted grandchildren. Most of the time, the parents of the child are either like where I was, just fed up, nothing left to give, go on, go and shoot up, go and hang out with all your dopey friends, go and buy drugs from the corner, go and do whatever it is, I don't care, I've lost all compassion. I've lost all grace. I've got nothing left to give. This is your choice. I've been there. I was there for a long time. But equally, it could be that maybe the parents have their own trauma, their own issues, and they simply don't see anything wrong in their behavior, that they split at some point along the line. They never knew how to get back. So does it come back to building our faith, building our connection back with our spirit self? My sister has done all of the things. She's done the practical stuff. She's done the rehab. She's done the legal stuff. She's turned up to police stations. She's tested negative. She's done the psychology. She's done the antipsychotic medication. She's done the antidepressant medication. She's got label after label of all the things that she is. But above that, she is a spirit having a human experience. And that has helped her to find a level of recovery 
a level of forgiveness for all of the things that she's done to anyone that crossed her. She is seeing the most evil in humans that you could possibly even imagine exists. She stood at her early grave with them. But light always brightens the darkness. And like she mentioned, the social workers who were remarkable in the facilities, the counsellors that reassured her that she was worthy of life, that she would be forgiven. There are many stories of people getting reunited with their family. It takes time. It takes grace. It takes constantly, consistently showing up as the best version of yourself. Not every day, but accountability on the bad days. You heard my sister talk about the day she couldn't get out of bed where a social worker would turn up to make sure she was still alive and able to care for her child. And care for her child always gave her purpose. But that was the bare minimum of what she was able to do. Her daughter is thriving. The realisation that comes from Crystal's story is that she knows she wants more for her daughter. She understands and offers grace in our worst moments because she gets it. She now has fierce protection over her, but no one will ever hurt her. It's a beautiful, wishful thought, but it's also something that propels her forward. When my sister had her voice stolen from her for so, so long, she has learned to how to empower her daughter to speak boldly, to speak bravely. Sometimes when the worst things happen to us, again we split and we can be taught and shown that the split can have a potentially wonderful outcome. But to recognise that, we need love. We need someone to give us a chance. We need someone to say, I don't need to know your backstory. I only want to know your forward story. And the day that God came to me and said, how long does she need to be sober before you stop treating her like a drug addict? It was like I could breathe. It was like I was given permission not to feel disgust or anger or shame or grief. I was very lucky that when my sister was gone for that decade, I had the most wonderful girlfriends who stepped in as my sisters. And for that, I'll be eternally grateful. Now my sister comes out to dinners with my other sisters. And don't get me wrong, some of my adopted sisters are very protective of me now because they lived with me through my journey of what it was like through the family violence, what it was like through the theft, what it was like through my dad's death when my sister was at her absolute sickest. I don't want to say worst. I want to say sickest because that's what it is. I implore you to do your research on drugs. Even listening to Louis Thoreau's documentaries, they're on stand. Go and sit in at a drug meeting if you can because they're still underneath it all. We can intervene sooner. We can intervene sooner. We can grow our next generation to have the power to say no without mockery, without any hesitation. We can get them connecting to their spirit bodies better, connecting to a faith. Only then will these young people think that they are less alone. Lonely children are dangerous children. Their self-esteem, their self-worth, they'll feel it. But they're too young to recognize the good versus the bad. Because sometimes even the bad feels good. And this is the confusion. 
I'm so glad my sister has lived to do this podcast with me last week. I'm so grateful for God for slapping me in the face and giving me a real accountability moment. I'm glad that I've been blessed with grace to just sit down with her and hear her stories. When I go beyond judgment and when I go beyond blame, there is a real, for me, fascination in what the human mind can talk us into and out of. It's a very sad, lonely place, and I'm regretful that my sister had to travel that journey for so long on her own. But I had to let her go. To protect myself and my young family, she was dangerous. She was in with incredibly dangerous people. So I forgive myself for stepping away, for turning my back and putting my hands in the air and saying, that's it, I'm done with you. I wash my hands with you, I'm done. I forgive myself, and I forgive her and the illness that robbed her of a decade of her life, of fun memories, of opportunity for work and career. I do lay blame at the man who decided to sexually molest her, and I feel like that calculation is the biggest monster of all. But these crimes are still going on, so making really good conversations with our children. What's the difference between the relationships that we're in? When does a relationship cross the line? When do you know that you can come to me if someone says something or touches you that makes you feel so sick in your belly? If someone threatens you for telling on them, if someone says that they're going to break your ma and pa's heart if you go and dib a dob on them. And now with the online world, we need to be even more mindful of predators. Make sure your kids have met in person every single person that is on their social media, but you need to practice that too. On my Facebook, I'm not friends with anyone that I haven't stared in their eyes. That is my personal rule. That is my personal boundary for you to get access to my life. You might know me, who knows me, someone who knows me really well. Hell, you might even be friends with my brother on the other side of the world, but I will not let you in until I've stood opposite you and looked you in the eye. That's just my rule, and I teach it to my kids. It's a big world out there, and some of it's dark and lonely and scary, but boy, there is a lot that is fabulous. Let's make that conversation bigger and broader. Friendships, personal growth, memories, weekends away, playgrounds, walking and sitting by a lake, waterfalls, music, song, dance, art, mathematics, science, food, hugs. Recently I read a neurology report that explained that most people only give a hug for three seconds. But for the brain to really, really absorb the non-verbal communication, it should be held for 20 seconds. So what I'm saying is if you haven't been hugging your family because it feels awkward, just start and hold on a little bit longer than you'd like to. Sometimes, due to self-esteem or self-worth or prior history, our body will say, okay, that's enough, let go. But our brain also is the trickery. It senses that you're feeling uncomfortable, so it gives you permission to step out of that. But sometimes the brain isn't our best friend. So when you hold on a little bit longer, take a breath, let your shoulders sink, and just hold on. Then you'll feel your brain calm down. Then you'll feel your heart rate slow down. And just take your time. Hugs are so important. 
And because every single one of us has an inner child, they shouldn't stop just because we get bigger or older. You often see a lot of older people giving hugs because they see the value. Once all the dust settled, once all the stories start rattling around in their head, they see the value in connection. I invite you, in fact, I double dare you to hold on to your next hug for longer and just enjoy it. And if the person's like, whoa, man, you're holding on there, just go, I know, I care about you. Let's start expressing our really positive feelings. Humans have gotten way too comfortable at expressing their negative and their disappointment. So let's flip it. Let's get better at expressing our love, our genuine happiness to see one another. So let's flip it. Let's get better and bolder at expressing our feelings. Someone looks good in something. If someone's being kind and friendly. Anyone, everyone, everywhere. I like the job you're doing. Your garden is lovely. Hey, that was such a great game you played. Even the one that didn't go in was just as great as the one that did go in. I can see how much effort you're putting in. I really love it when you take care of yourself. There are so many. And if you have trouble thinking of them, because maybe you're not used to speaking like this or maybe you're not used to, even worse, hearing it, there is plenty of positive feedbacks to say on things like Google, affirmation pages, Pinterest. There are lots of resources to help you get back to the spirit of positivity and connection and being bold in your love. As always, I absolutely adore chatting to you guys. And I hope you take this reflection nicely. And I hope you have a great day. Seriously, go and have a great day. And that's all for today, folks. As always, thank you for letting me your ears and your hearts. I feel so grateful and blessed to be able to share these stories with you and bring us together as a community. This is Gail Wilson, and this is Soul Care Bendigo's podcast, Naked. Don't forget to follow and subscribe so that you get notifications on the next episode as it lands. Take care and just be kind to yourself.